you so much for your grace and your mercy that you've shown toward all of us. We can't even begin to imagine where our lives would be without you. We owe you everything. And God, we want in the end to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. So as we come together today, speak to our hearts. May your spirit touch us, move us to live lives worthy of Jesus Christ. We honor him and we praise him. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. So in my last few sermons here lately, I've been focusing on this theme of finishing strong. You know, Cynthia and I moved to, to New York back in the summer of 1987. And, and we've served in the ministry here since then. And then God has seen for it for us to, to move on to the next chapter of our lives. But I didn't want to limp out. You know, I want to finish strong. I want to finish giving glory to God. Uh, I want to give my whole heart every step of the way. And, you know, I've heard some horror stories over the years about how people end in life, how people begin the, the, the walk with God. And, and all of us, we know people that we started with, you just think back, who are no longer here. People who even studied the Bible with us, people who discipled us, people who taught us, who at some point in their lives decided, I'm not going to walk that straight and narrow road anymore. And they went back to their old life, they went back to the world. And, 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 and so I want to encourage you, as well as to sober you up, to understand that we've got to fight this fight to the very end. Now Jesus makes a sobering statement that should cause all, call all of us to stop for a minute and pause. And he says in, in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. You ever read a scripture and you just go, no, is that true? That the love of most will grow cold? Come on, that can't be. And he says that he who stands faithful to the end will be saved. You know, I was looking at Facebook the other day and my daughter was saying, you know, she, she saw the, the picture first. She says, Dad, do, do you know who this is? And I says, yeah, I know who that is, but I don't know the woman that he's in this picture with. And it was and, and, and a brother who served in the ministry in New York years ago uh, who went off and served in other places, married with four kids or whatever, and there he was on Facebook with another woman that I did not recognize. And so, you know, and me, I inquired, you know, I sent out a text here and said, do you know what's going on with this brother? And I got the message back, he's gone off the deep end. And this is after having been a Christian for 20 plus years and having served in the ministry for the majority of his life, and I stepped back and it just startled me. Anybody can fall. And that we've got to make sure that our love does not grow cold. That we stay on fire for Jesus. 
because it can happen to me, it can happen to you, if it can happen to Solomon, if it can happen to David, if it can happen to Samson, it can happen to you. I heard a brother say one time that if you don't think you can fall, then you're more spiritual than David. You're wiser than Solomon and you're stronger than Samson. And none of us are. And so we've got to make sure that as we walk this walk, as we fight this fight, that we're just not attending, but that we're giving our whole heart to God. Because you can be in attendance and still be cold-hearted. You can be on the membership roll and still be far from God and distant from other people. And that's not what we want to be, is it, church? Now, another translation says this. This is the Passion Translation. It says, There will be such an increase of sin, of lawlessness, that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. What would your new Christian say to your old Christian today? What would the person who got baptized, however long ago it was for you, for me it was 47 years ago. What would that Sam Powell say to this Sam Powell today? And my hope would be that he would say, you know, you're just as fired up as you were now, as, as you are now as you were then. But I know I've had some bumps along the way. Can you relate? And so we want to make sure that we finish strong. And how do we finish strong in the faith? How do we do that? How do we continue to fight the good fight? How do we make sure that we remain faithful to the end? How do we do that? And really, that's what I've been focusing on in my, in my private time with God, Sam. Just keep fighting the good fight. You don't know how much longer you have. You know you're in the fourth quarter, but you want to finish strong. And so we're going to look at a scripture uh, in just a minute, but in, over in Isaiah, a few scriptures in, in Isaiah. But Isaiah, uh, first of all, in Isaiah 40, uh, Isaiah says this. And, and, you know, the prophet Isaiah was sent to help God's people to understand God's judgment, but also God's promise. God's judgment that declares that his people were broken that they had strayed away from him, but also God's promise that they could be healed and that they could be restored and that they could make it to the end. And so in Isaiah 40, verse 28, it says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and increases the power of the weak, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But help me out, church. But those whose hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's where I want to be, don't you? You know, yes, you know, as Daisy was talking about, we get weary sometimes, we get fatigued sometimes, but I don't want to give in to that. I want to make sure that inside, which is where things really count, 
that there's a burning fire for God. And that I do not become weary. I do not grow faint, but I keep my eyes on Jesus. I keep my focus on him. So let's look at the scripture today over in Isaiah chapter 6. And here, I just want to leave you with these three things today. And I'm, I'm going to try not to be a long-winded preacher uh, because even though I am going on to retirement, I do want you to invite me back one of these days. <laughs> and so you're not going to want to invite me back if I preach all of my sermons today. So, but I would just preach one of them. You can say, well, we'll have him back so he can do another one because he didn't, you know, stay up there for two hours, okay? So we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And in Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8, we're going to make three quick points that if you apply to your life, will change the person you are today. I promise you. I promise you. So Isaiah... In Isaiah 6, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I better move on so you can see that. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with the live coal in his hand, which he had taken from, with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. As we look at this scripture, what can we learn that will help us to finish strong, to be faithful to the end? Here are my points to you today. That if you want to be, if you want to make it to the end, if you want to finish strong, number one, we must see God. Number two, we must see ourselves. And number three, we must see others. We must see God. That's number one. We must see him. We must know him. We must grow in our knowledge of him. What does Isaiah say? I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. You know, the reason I have a quiet time every day, and I mean every day, and I read my Bible every day, is because I want to see God. I want him to speak to me. I want to see Jesus. I want to see what it means to, to walk according to God's will. I want to see the greatness of God. I want to see the glory of God, the sovereignty of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, the forgiveness of God, the patience of God, the long-suffering of God, the power. 
power of God, the omnipotence of God, the majesty and the glory and the greatness of God. And when I read my Bible and I see how awesome he is, it sobers me. I stand in awe that a God like him would want to have anything to do with a sinner like me. There is nothing more important than for us to grow in our knowledge, understanding, love, and reverence for God. This has got to be the number one thing in your life, that I want to know him. I want to see him. And Isaiah saw the Lord, and he saw him high and lifted up. Realizing that he knows all things, that he's in control of all things, that I don't have anything to worry about. I don't have anything to be anxious about because my God is in control. And he knows my anxieties and he knows my worries and he knows my sin and he knows my struggles. And he's never disappointed me. He's never let me down. He's never lied to me. He's never been unfaithful to me. And every good thing in my life is because of him. He is a good, good God. And we need to see him. We need to know him better. We must see him. What did Isaiah say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's why the Bible tells us in the Psalms that we need to just be still and know God. We just need to be still because the heavens proclaim the goodness of God. The heavens proclaim his glory. The skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day. They pour forth speech, not after night. They display knowledge. All you got to do is stop and ask yourself, who put all this together? Who made it? Who holds it all together? How do you see God? Sometimes we take our eyes off God and we focus on people. And, and that's what messes us up. But how do you see him? This is why we need to be in the word daily so that we can know him better. David said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God speaks to me and it helps me to have the right view of God and the right view of myself. The reason we struggle so often in life because we take our eyes off of God and we get it focused on people. And we start complaining about what people have done as if God himself doesn't even see what's going on. And we've been through a lot, church. And there have been some things that people have done that have been so wrong, but not without God knowing. I've never seen God not fix a situation. I've never seen God keep a leader and leadership who did not repent and humble himself eventually before God. I trust God. Do you see him? Do you see his faithfulness? Do you see his justice? We get so bent out of whack, you know. What's going on? When's somebody going to do something about this? And God is just saying, can you just be still for a minute? I got this. If you just trust me. You know, I've been a disciple, as I told you, 47 years. It'll be 48 this coming year. I trust God. And he's still working on me. Because I have my tough days. And I have to always go back to God, you are sovereign. Amen. I have nothing to worry about. What does Isaiah tell us again? He says, do you, can y'all see that? Yeah. Do you not know? 
Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent. He brings princesses to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. Don't worry about the next election. God got it. God's got it. Don't you worry about it. What can you do about it anyway except stress out about it? He's got it. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Stop fretting. Stop worrying. Stop getting bent out of shape. God's got this. He's in control. Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look where, church? To the heavens. Take your eyes off of Richard. Take your eyes off of Sarah. Take your eyes off of Daisy and put your eyes on God. Take your eyes off your ministry leader, off your family group leader, off your husband, off your wife, and set your eyes on who? On God. Take it to him. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. It's a miracle that this universe even is held together. That we the exact distance from the sun to have life. And with all our complexities, that we even exist. And he made us out of nothing. Our God is a great God. We say God is in control. When are we going to start acting like it? When are we going to start acting like it? You know, I met with the Westchester leaders the other day just to go over at the end of the year. We go over the concern list. Who's still here? Who's really with us? As we go into 2024, we want to know who's struggling, who's left, who we need to get with. And everyone that we listed that we're concerned about, their number one problem is they're not close to God. It's not their discipling partner. It's not that people haven't helped them. They are not connected with God. Because when you're connected with God, that will get you through the storms. Number one, we need to see God. Am I right, church? Number two, number two, we need, we, we need to see ourselves. We need to see ourselves. You know, when you see God, it opens your eyes to what, you're really, what you really look like. What does Isaiah say when he, after he sees the glory of God? He says, woe to me. I am ruined. You know, we can't even stand in the presence of a holy, mighty God who lives in unapproachable light. Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. And God says, you can't see me and live. So I'm going to give you a glimpse of my back. And he saw a glimpse of the back of God and he lit up like a Christmas tree. That's how radiant and awesome and glorious God. We could not stand in his presence in this, in this flesh and live because of his holiness and our sinfulness. He is amazing. When we see the holiness and the majesty of the Lord God Almighty, it brings us to a place of great humility and submission. I don't understand the arrogance of man, even though I have it. 
I don't understand the pride of man because we don't control anything. We haven't made any, everything that we've made is because we've made it from something else. We didn't make anything new. God is the, really the only creator. We just recreate from what he's made. And what did Jesus say to the lukewarm church in Revelation 3? He says, you know what your problem is? You don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You don't realize it. When you see the glory and the goodness of God and the greatness of God and the holiness of God, you will realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind. Now, we don't want to say it. We, but them the facts, folks. That without God, we are nothing. And we have nothing. He knows every evil thought, every lustful thought, every critical word, every selfish act, every intention of my heart. God knows you better than anybody knows you. And I don't even want to know everything about you. Because if I knew everything about you and you knew everything about me, you wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. If, if you spent a day in the heart and mind of any human being, you would come out trembling. And yet God knows all those things and still loves us. Still wants to spend eternity with us. Still wants to lift us up to be by his side. That's how amazing God is. You know, Jesus, just, just to bring it home, Jesus tells this story here. He said, to some who were confident of their own righteousness, and that's what we can get sometimes, because we know a little Bible, and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Can you believe that? God, I thank you I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all my gifts. You know, after you've been spiritual a little while, you've been studying your Bible, you know, you, you know the church lingo, you can sing the songs throughout the book. You, you, you can get to the point where you think, I'm spiritual. I got this. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, church, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's where you land when you see the glory and the holiness of God and you see yourself as you really are. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, I had a bump with my wife couple of weeks back, well, maybe a little longer. And as usual, it was all her fault. <laughs> she sinned against me. And I was trying to point out to her the error of her ways, being the head of my household and the spiritual leader of my family. And it got, it got, it was over something stupid. And it, it, I, it, we just couldn't get it. She, she was upset. I was upset. And then, you know, God speaks to me and, and, 
and I'm, I'm just thinking, and I go, you idiot. It's, it's your fault. And so I was so proud that I didn't even want to go talk to her. I sent her a text <laughs> saying, I'm sorry. You know, text, and then I went to see her and said, honey, I, I, I'm so sorry. But what I had to see that here I am 47 years as a Christian, still proud, still defensive, still self-righteous, unkind, harsh, wrong. After all this time, I'm still a sinner, people. God, have mercy on me. And yeah, we got it fixed. But God continues to show me every time I, I think I'm, I'm all that. He shows me all over again that you're a sinful man. And the only way you're going to get to heaven is by the grace of God. It won't be by your good deeds. It won't be by your performance. It won't be because of how many people you save or how many sermons you preach. It will be totally because of my goodness and my grace and my mercy upon your wretched soul. And when I see myself the way I really am, my relationship with God is better. My relationship with people is better. And my understanding of what God put me on this earth to do becomes clear. I'm a sinner who needs to help other sinners to see God. How do you see yourself this morning? Where are you? How do you see yourself? Man, sometimes we get so upset about stuff. You know why? Because we think we're right. I'm right. And I want everybody to know it. When you understand where you stand before God, you approach everything with humility and you give other people the benefit of the doubt. Because as you have been forgiven, you want others now to be forgiven. Do we see ourselves? Isaiah saw himself as he really was. He says, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. And then he goes on, he says, I live among a people of unclean lips. My last point is we must see others. We must see others as they really are. How do you see the world? You know, COVID messed me up evangelistically. I think it was a couple years went by. When I studied the Bible with no one, zero, didn't help anybody come to know Jesus. And you know, that's, that's not a good thing for a minister of the gospel <laughs> to be saying. Like, did you study the Bible with anybody this year? Nope. Donuts, nothing, zero. And then... It's over. Got to get back out there, right? And I had lost my compassion and my understanding that people without God are, are, are they're in darkness. There's no hope. 
And, and as I got back in, in the Bible and, and, and I began to, to, to read about Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, you know what it says, right, in Matthew 9? He had compassion on them because what, church? They were what? Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's how Jesus saw the world, but he didn't see it and become self-righteous. He saw it and said, now let me help them. Don't send them away. I will feed them. I will minister to them. I will help them to know my Father in heaven. And what my attitude was, well, I didn't even see them as harassed and helpless in the first place. And then secondly, I got my own stuff now. I'm busy, man. I got my own issues. And you, please. And that's why, let me ask you, when's the last time you were in a Bible study? with a lost person. When's the last time? And so, so Sam, what'd you have to do? Reset? Recalibrate? No. Repent. <laughs> Repent. Because I'm ruined. But I am so much better off than anybody who does not know Jesus as Lord. I'm a thousand times better off than anybody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And it doesn't matter what kind of place they live in. It doesn't matter what kind of car they drive. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes they wear. It doesn't matter how much money they have in their bank account. It doesn't matter how popular they are. If they don't know God, they are lost, church. If they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they are lost. And what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? And so I had to repent. And I said, God, help me. Help me find somebody. Help me, you know, lead me to, to somebody. And God did that this year. You know, I studied the Bible with this guy I met. He became a disciple. He's still doing well. You know, professional guy. And to God be the glory, baptized them. And, and back out there again, sharing my faith, getting people to church. Not because I'm great but because the world is lost. How do you see it? It doesn't matter if they're black, if they're white. And let me tell you, I have to really work at reaching out to white folk. I know I'm the only one. I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. Because black folks seem a little bit more open. I mean, I can be in a line, you know, DMV, I'm going to see that brother. Yeah, hey, bro. <laughs> Skip by everybody else. Grocery line. Hey, <laughs> them my people's right there. <laughs> Buying the same cream corn that I'm getting, man. Skipping over everybody else. Because I don't see them the way God sees them. Black, white, red, if they don't know Jesus, they're lost. When our hearts are moved by the lostness and helpless and despair of the world around us, we're going to want to make a difference. Some of you, we, we can't get you to do anything. You won't say a prayer. You won't lead a group. You won't sign up for anything. Why? You don't see the world 
the way it really is. It's lost. And it needs you. We need you to make a difference. The harvest is plentiful. God showed me that all over again. The harvest is plentiful. What's the problem, church? What's the other part of that verse? The workers are few. We need to pray, God, move my heart again. Help me to care again. Help me to see people the way you see them. God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. All of them. Every last one of them. Even the ones you don't like, he still wants them to go to heaven. He does. And so we need to pray, God, give us a heart of compassion. I hope these things have helped you because as we come to a close here, my challenge to you, as you end this year and as you go into the next year, ask God, pray, God, help me to see you in all your glory. Help me to see myself as I really am as I stand in your presence. And God, help me to see where this world is that doesn't know you. And give me the heart and the conviction to make a difference. Brooklyn needs Jesus. And God has chosen you. God bless you.